and welcome to Our Dad is Wrong, the podcast where my brother Rocky and I discuss sports with our father Vic using a generational divide. Rocky is off again this week for personal reasons. I am Mike, though. And I am Vic, Dad. So it's, again, one-on-one, which means he stands no chance. Uh-huh, just like last time. Um, All right. All right, so let's start off with uh, the NBA draft here. Uh, Some surprises, actually, at the top. A lot of teams making some moves. Things things were happening. What did uh, what was your sense about what was going on in the draft? Well, you know, again, I don't follow college basketball that closely, right. except for Rutgers and Villanova, and uh, and the tournament. So I got kind of got watched some of these guys play in the tournament. I did watch some of the Big Ten guys play when they played against Rutgers, so I got a little feel for them. But um, you know, it's hard with these one and dones. It's just you know, you just see them play. I mean. It, it was even the kid this year that was that was drafted that didn't even oh, play. Oh yeah, Shaden Sharp. I mean, they, yeah, well, Kentucky, right? Yeah, and uh, he practiced with know, Kentucky, so, so he still has. You it. know, I don't know how many. Well, I said he practiced with Kentucky, so he still had some of that. Uh, oh, that training there. All right. Yeah, well, they have they're, they're you know they they've been a little spotty with their their track record over the last ten years. I mean, some great players and some yeah, players that supposed of, to come out that a be lot really of great good. players come even even recently. Well, a lot, a lot I of mean, players, but uh, still. all all the best players in the NBA it seems like came from Kentucky or Duke. In this no, world, no, no. Well, Duke. One thing I did notice I, is that uh, five Duke players, which I guess is the whole starting team, was drafted in the first like forty picks. Uh, Forty two so, uh, when. Which is pretty Im- very impressive, uh, including the top the top kid is uh, Paolo Bencaro. Nice, Paolo look at you pronouncing the name properly. Yes, Ta- Paolo and, uh And you know, again, he had one of the greatest suits on I've ever seen in my <laughs> life on the draft <laughs> night. I mean, fashion. These that? guys, they but, know fashion, uh, man. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, that's one of the reasons I like watching the draft and see how they not even just they, they're clothed like the, the in, in oh the yeah, of their yeah, suits yeah, yeah, and things cool. like that. I mean, it's pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. It's funny. Well, you know, until but, like, um, you know, a couple hours before the draft, everyone had assumed Jabari Smith Jr. from Auburn was going to be the number one pick. He was like the betting right. favorite. And, 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 right. And, and, the, and the announcers were even talking about him like it was, uh, you know, he was a done deal that he was going to be the number one pick. So that kid is definitely going to have a chip on his shoulder now. Because I, I saw him on a couple different yeah. interviews right after that and the next day. We was basically saying, you know, you know, well, okay, yeah. you draft me, I here I come. Uh, I will say, I think the Magic actually made the right pick there. I think Pancaro was the guy. I think he kind of shows much more of that, uh, you know, top dog kind of potential where he could be the best player potentially on a on a championship level team. Uh, Jabari, oh, okay. I mean, look, Jabari right. Smith. I think his floor is much higher because, like, I think at worst he's going to be a really quality three and D guy. But, um, right. you know, Bancaro to me is kind of the guy who can just, like, make things happen on his own. He's, you know, all these guys are 6'10 or over these first three picks. I know. I know. And they're all, I mean, uh, Holmgren is, what is he, a junior, Mike? No, freshman. He's yeah. a freshman, too? Oh, oh I yeah, he was, uh, he was uh, Gonzaga's, <laughs> he was... like, highest-rated recruit ever. He was, like, the number well, one. Well, that guy, I'm, I'm li- I am definitely leery of that guy just from the way he he's looks. so skinny i mean that guy I, is so I think skinny. He's skinny which i i weigh you know right. yeah and you're skinny saying. like yeah i'm real skinny and he is i mean if those don't know mike is six one and about 155 pounds <laughs> i'm more than and that now very good like, that gets, uh, oh very very good basketball player by the way 
But there's Chet Holmgren. In the NBA, he's going to get killed. I mean, if he doesn't put weight on, and, you know, I know there's been, you know, seven footers in the past that have been, you know, pretty skinny. That uh, I mean, Kevin Durant came in. Yeah, I mean, he's still skinny, skinny but it's, uh, uh, yeah, you, mean you look at but, uh But Kevin Grant was more of a perimeter player. This guy plays a little more down yeah, low. Yeah, but I mean, he's, he's I mean, had all over the place. He can, he can shoot. The thing is, he's 7'2", I think, so it's, he's... Uh, yeah, but can you, can you imagine like him getting pushed? Yeah, I can, but that's, you know, but, but that's, you look he at, can develop. I always remember, I always remember when, uh, Lou Alcindor was drafted, you know, Lou Alcindor was 7'3", right. and very, very skinny right. at UCLA, who, who obviously became Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, but his rookie year, I'll never forget, when he played the Knicks, Willis Reed was the center. Reed was probably 6'9", but right. just a bull, and, and, and Jabbar would get the ball down on the blocks, and before he had a chance to shoot, he was 20 feet yeah, away. Yeah, push him away. Because Reed would just uh-huh. push him away, push him away, and Chamberlain would do the same thing to him. Now, he adapted, of obviously, course. put weight on and, and that. But I don't know if this kid, this kid doesn't look like he has even yeah, a you frame don't think, to put Well, but on. I mean, at the same time, uh, I, again, I I do agree, and I'm. it's always a worry, but... I mean, if you look at pictures of how Giannis looked when he first came into the league, I mean, he was, yeah. he, you know, he was not, he's not as skinny as Chet Holmgren looks to me, but right. I mean, he was a beanpole right. too. And now he's like, you look at him, it's like, this guy looks like, uh, uh, you know, Mr. Universe. Like he's, uh, yeah, well, that's true. I mean, that's I, true. But on the other hand, you get guys like, um, uh, Porzingis who, you know, just never really, I mean, but again, on. he's much, he's and, much thicker uh, than he was when he was, dra- he's not, that, that's not the reason he hasn't succeeded to the level. Do you remember Sean Bradley? Yes. Sean Bradley was a 7-6 guy and uh you know again one of these guys that also never filled yeah. out. So it's in the NBA the, the rigors of playing 82 games against these monsters who you know are just you know professional yeah, weightlifters. It's going to be very tough yeah, to Yeah, now what's going what these guys what's going in Holmgren's favor is he can shoot. Like he he can hit threes. So, you know, again if you push him far away, he can still do some stuff. He can still do some damage. He's not right. a, you know, has to be within five feet of the basket. Um, he's a very good defensive right. player. You know, these these super tall guys who are who are skinny, you yeah. have to worry about injuries and stuff with them. But you know, that's the thing. Yeah. Is like you know, yeah. most of these guys are, you know, okay. Well, who's their pro comp? Who's their pro comp? But like, you get to Chet Holmgren, and it's like, I, I feel the same way about Chet Holmgren that I basically felt about uh, uh, Trayvon Walker, the number one pick in the NFL draft, is like, if they hit right. their ceiling, there is no pro comp for these guys. Like, you know, yeah, it's, it's something we've that's never true. seen before. That's that's the guy who somebody in the future is going to be comped as. But um, there's only so many unicorns. Yeah, of course. Oh, I'm not saying, I don't know that he's going to be. I'm just saying if he gets to yeah. the level that people think he can be, I mean, you know. Right. Again, that's why I, right. I still would have gone back think, to Arrow first because I do kind of see a more traditional, you know, alpha dog there. I, I do, I do like when I when I when I saw them in the tournament and when I saw them on on the film that I watched, they're really good players. These guys, yes. really good players. The, so, any you know, any again, of those we don't top, know what's happen any to the of those pros. top three picks would have been the number one pick in a lot of drafts. So that's you know that, that, that's, that's it was true. a good year to have one of those first three picks. Right now, four and five are guys that I did see. You know, this right, year. big they ten were, guys. They were big ten guys, and uh, I like yeah, both, they're both guys. Real King good. and Murray, I really like, and I was really hoping the Knicks were going to somehow find a way to trade down and get Jaden Ivey, because that kid trade I would up, really called, like. But, yeah. but um, you know, and then I guess he's more suited to a shooting guard. Than I think he guard. is. Um, you know, I th- a lot of people think he has that kind of potential to be a point guard. 
he didn't really run a lot of pick and roll, which is kind of, you know, a, a base. Yeah, right. That's kind of a baseline for being a point guard in the NBA at this point. Um, right. I'm not saying he right. can't run the pick and roll or won't be able to. I just it's tough to project him as a point guard to me when we didn't really see it a ton. Um, you know, he only averaged right. about three assists a game or so. Not, you know, again, I mean, the dude's a microwave scorer. Like, he can just light it up from, from all over the place. I think having him next to uh, Cade Cunningham in Detroit is going to be a real, real problem for people. Yeah. I, I think Detroit is building a real Yeah, nice because the, they have really yeah, good well, and it's almost a perfect situation for Ivy because, you know, Cade Cunningham is, you know, I think going to be uh, more of a uh, the on-ball guy. But Cade Cunningham can also play off-ball no problem. And kind of so, you know, Ivy can can be on the ball uh, sometimes. So, you know, right. they have a lot of options there in that backcourt. It's, you know, it reminds you a little bit of, uh, uh, you know, those uh, those Suns teams from about 10 years ago where they were, you know, running three-point guards all the time. And they were pretty successful doing that. Yeah. Now, these two yeah, guys sure. are Why know, not? at a much higher level than those, uh, those guys on the Suns were. So... Yeah. Right. Well, what's, what's getting me worried, as again, as a Knicks fan, is the East is getting stronger and stronger yeah, it really is. teams in the East. And, uh, you know, the Knicks last year, what they finished? 11? Uh, yeah, 13. Uh, something, something around those. Yeah. Uh, whatever it was, it was sure out of the was. playoffs, that's for sure. And they, uh, they had another stellar draft this year. I know we can talk about that a little bit because they drafted – a kid who averaged two points a game in the, yeah, in the they, Zealand League. They, they traded him. But, uh, and, he's not uh, on the team. He's not on the team. They didn't. I know, but... But, but they didn't I, draft I him. They weren't drafting them. They drafted him for another I'm team. I'm getting worried. I'm getting worried that this guy's... This, this new regime has no plan. Uh, again, I, we talked about it on the phone. I'm going to let it play out. But it, but this seems to be the same thing. All they're doing now, it seems to me, is covering for the mistakes they've made the last two years. So... Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm well, really worried. I mean, see, uh, I, to say they don't have a plan, I don't think that's fair. Because I think this is very, I think uh-huh. this is very, whether you agree with the plan or not, that doesn't mean they don't have one. I think this is a very clear. Yeah, they got a gazillion first round picks that are conditional. So, you know, the conditions are if they're good picks, the Knicks don't get them. Yeah, first of all, okay. A couple of things here. One, they traded for three of those things. They've shown that they can draft on the back oh, end of drafts very well. They're going to convey yeah. all these picks. It may not be next year, but they'll convey eventually. Um, what they're trying—I mean, what they're trying to do—is just get a lot of picks so that when you know the next superstar comes out, they can go make a make a play for that guy. I mean, that's you know how many every team that wins. Yeah, because they're all they're all running to get to New York now. Well, no, but that's the guys do like to go to New York, and if they can trade for them, oh. No, no, no. They're getting these assets so that they can use them to trade for a superstar later. When some guy asks for a trade, when Donovan Mitchell eventually is going to say, you know what, that's it, I've had enough, I don't want to be here anymore. Well, I would love to see the Knicks game. Yeah, I know. And and they wouldn't have been able, they wouldn't be able to if they don't have picks, if they don't have assets, they don't have, you know, ways to do it. The other thing is, the Knicks don't have space for another for, you know, a, a mid-round draft pick who Tom Thibodeau's not going to play. So what's the difference? <laughs> I just, look, we've been going through this now for 30 years. And 30 years, they've been horrible. And it's uh, just, you yeah. know, uh, Listen, I'm, um, <laughs> I, I understand how just, tough just it is to important. be a Knicks fan. Trust me, I get it. Because yeah. And, yeah, and I've seen some say, hey, you, in my You've seen them good. They were, last time they were good, I was nine. <laughs> so... <laughs> Well, that's true. That's true. And they weren't. I got news for you. 
they weren't even that good then. They had a decent. Yeah, they were good. Play. They were you know, they, good. Ewing really. Ewing had really nobody. Yeah, it was a weak. I must say, if Ewing had a better, it was a weak Eastern. Yeah, the second best player was John Starks, which like nothing against John Starks, but like I mean, Charles Oakley was a real good player. You know, he was a solid player, but he was no superstar. There were were a bunch of guys who were. You know, they had uh, they had uh, Grandmama, Uh, Larry Johnson, Larry Johnson. But after he was Grandmama, he wasn't Adam later on. They had had him when he actually turned into Grandmama. (laughs) So, (laughs) but. I, the question yes. I have for you, which which almost as important as is the Knicks being good, is the 76ers being bad. And I want, and I, you know, again, this was for my nephew, Tom. He was a big uh, 76er <laughs> fan. But what did they do in the draft? Are they getting better? Or uh, well, they actually traded away their, they had a, uh, a first round pick. They traded away for uh, DeAnthony Melton from, from Memphis. Okay. Uh, pretty good young player. I think it's actually probably going to, help them in the short term more than uh, drafting right. somebody would. So I understand why they would want to do it. You know, they're trying to do kind of whatever they can to just keep Joel Embiid happy. Um, yeah. I, I actually like the guy who got drafted at the spot that they traded out of, uh, David Roddy from Colorado right. State. But, um, right. again, it was more of a, uh, we need a, a piece right now. Anthony Melton's a pretty solid piece. He's still young. He's only like 24 years old or something like that. It wasn't a bad move, right? And what are they? What are they doing with Harden? Is Harden uh, coming back? Or I think so. He, he, he's a free agent, isn't he? I'm not sure, actually. Is he? I thought he was a free agent. I thought he was. You know, they had to make a decision what to give him a a you know a supermax contract. Uh, not that I think he matters because whatever team he goes to has no chance to win the championship. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I get that too. But you know. You almost want him to stay there, but uh... he, no, he's a uh, one more year on a player option, so it depends on if he he opts out. Oh, okay. Around. So he cut opt out. Okay. Well, nobody's gonna. He, he'll definitely opt in. It's a it's a player uh, option for forty seven million dollars. I'd opt in. He. I would he's opt in. Opting for that. in. That's right. Uh, right. I'd opt in for forty seven hundred dollars. Well, yeah, we're on a different space than uh, <laughs> James Harden is. Uh, that's a uh, lot of strip clubs you can go to with forty-seven million dollars. That's true. That's true, and a lot of uh, private planes you can that's, take without the, rest right. of the team, and a, a lot of uh, a lot of McDonald's cheeseburgers <laughs> you can eat. Uh, and uh, that, what, what a what a waste! I'll tell you. I'm sorry. Right, so let, let me ask, let, I'll tell you whose draft I absolutely loved. I want to make sure we talk about is the Spurs. <laughs> they, you know, their first pick, uh, Jeremy Sohan from Baylor, who is uh, right. he's a freshman, but he was. He wasn't supposed to be a one-and-done kind of He was like a three-star prospect coming out and everything, but he is just such a, like, right. just a smart basketball player, a great, great defender, can hit some shots, you know, does some nice things there. Yeah. Uh, and then in the back half of the first round, they ended up with two extra, two more picks. Uh, and they got Malachi well, yeah. Branham from Ohio State, who I love as a player, and Blake Wesley yeah. from Notre Dame, who you saw, he's the one who, uh, in Rutgers in the... Uh, in the NCAA right. champion, in the NCAA tournament, when he scored, you know, thirty-five points or whatever it was against them. Right, I, I did. Yeah. I did like him. I did like him as a player. He, I, I definitely, you know, uh, noted him during the during the yeah. NCAA tournament. Yeah, they had uh, but, they uh, had a real real nice draft. I like what they did there. <clears throat> and they just need they yeah. needed who else in, infusion of talent. So, yeah. Well, sure. I mean, it's you know you can't look. They were they were a really good team for twenty years, twenty five years, and you know. And any franchise would take Oh, that. yeah. 
a twenty-five-year oh, run. And it wasn't just it wasn't just like oh we made no, the playoffs title after title after title right five years right they won five and they were in finals right. and they were competing for I mean, the they really, they titles David Robinson really to David Robinson and Tim Duncan to Tim Duncan and Manu Ginobili and uh, uh, Tony Parker and then into Parker right the the Duncan Kawhi Leonard year I mean it was crazy how right you know right how much talent they had on that team for so long true that's true. But Mike, who else in the draft? Who else should people look out for in the draft that you watched in college? Uh, one guy that I really like and also is uh, uh, the Rockets' second pick. This guy Tari Eason uh, from LSU. Tari Eason. Yeah, he was at uh, Cincinnati for a year, then transferred to LSU. He's a sophomore. He okay. He's just like he. He was actually on the first. He was first team All SEC, and he was the sixth man of the year. Like, you just don't see oh, really? anybody first-team all-conference who is coming off the bench. But, like, you know, he's a guy who just kind of, like, knew his role, is very, very efficient all over the floor. Okay. Uh, I think that's a really solid player. I really like – again, I really like what the Rockets do. So, th- so, they have, so they have a real future, the Rockets, then? Yeah, plus they have Jalen Green. If Jabari Smith is as yeah, good Yeah, Jabari as Smith. They have Jalen Green from last year. I like the star, you know, the Tari Eason pick. I mean, they have uh, – you know, look – these guys have to reach their ceilings. They have to, you know, be good, productive players. Right. But, you know, you kind of see right. this infusion of young talent on the team. You know, if, if one of them hits, that's a really nice, uh, really nice job for them. Right. Now, Mike, how about these guys that are drafted at the G League? Um, like the one from the uh, Pelicans, he's drafted high. I mean, yeah, well, that's... He? He was, uh, uh, let me see. Number, number yeah. eight. Um, you know, they Daniels. found... I, I mean... I mean these guys chose not to go to college, right? They just chose to play in the G right. League. Right. So, so they're playing in the G League, make basically, money. just so they could make money. Um, right. Which again, I'm that's totally fine with me. That's uh, fine. That seems to be more yeah, of a trend. Well, now. I mean, again, it, we might see it a little bit less moving forward, just with NIL deals. Um, right. Yeah. You know, so now they're allowed to be playing a little true. bit. But you know, last year there were two G League guys drafted in the top ten. So. Including the number two pick, uh, uh, Jalen Green, who I was talking about from Houston. So, That's right, right. You know, last year was really the first year that it almost looked like it was uh, kind of like you know a proof of concept thing. But uh, right, you know, people are talking very highly about Dyson Daniels. You know, I think I think we saw. Excuse me, I think we saw that that Jalen Green kind of has that potential that being in the G League didn't really hurt him compared to going to college. So I don't think teams are afraid of drafting right. these G League guys anymore. Well, one thing about the G League is is the competition is probably better than college basketball. I, I, yeah. You know, because these guys are all well, pros. Well, on, on a consistent basis, I probably agree with you. Right. But again, it's like if you right. know, the I guys mean, who are going up against Duke, like, well, they're not going. Right. Like, they're correct. going up against, you know, better correct. players. Than, than, right. But a typical college team maybe have one potential NBA player on it, where G League teams have probably five or six potential NBA yeah, players. Yeah, but, you know, usually – Right, not stars, but, kid, but guys. guys that can yeah, really yeah, play. Yeah. Right. Uh, right, but you know you're seeing right. that, that kind of talent on a everyday consistent basis. So yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I I do get it. It does make sense to me that uh, you know some of those guys would you know be that way. Or yeah, know, okay. Draft from All right. there. Um, yeah, I was kind of surprised about the lack of international players actually in this because uh, I'm looking at it now there was none in the top ten. They all went to college. No, but there wasn't eleven. Was it eleven? Not, not the next, uh, <laughs> next pick. But, um, let me uh, 
let me let me reenact the, the draft night. At number eleven for the New York Knicks, I had a Bordeaux, France. <laughs> Bordeaux. I mean, I had I was I fall off the couch laughing when he said that. Bordeaux, France. Comes with a bottle of wine and three cases of champagne. Well, if it's a I Pinot, it's probably fine. I don't know anything. Oswani Diang. Oswani Diang. Usman Deng. Whatever. You're good at this. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He can go play. He started a team with Frank. Well, Lina listen. That, and uh, who's that other Frederick stiff Weiss. that drafted? That, that's the thing. Frederick like, Vice. Knicks, it would be tough to draft uh, a, a French guy at this point. But yeah, other teams, yeah. they seem to have no problem getting good French guys. But. Oh, well, let me. I shouldn't say that. Who they trade Dang to? Oklahoma City. The Thunder. Okay, so this this guy's going to yeah, make probably. an all-star team. Yeah, Watch. I'm sure. Because yeah, the Knicks probably. don't have him. Okay. Uh, hey. Okay, see. Okay, see. Give, give me strength. Had a pretty nice draft, I will say. Just, I mean, they got length yeah. on length with a couple of these guys. I like the Jalen Williams pick. They got a twelve also. Um. Okay. Yeah. Was, uh, did were you thrown it all when? Uh, one, you, how much of the draft did you watch? Getting or first round. I try to watch the whole thing. I no, I watched about till about number nineteen uh, okay. twenty. Okay, so you didn't even see, because uh, I mean, you would have gotten thrown for a loop if uh, Nikola Jovic was picked, because it's not Nikola Jovic. Oh, yeah. What the heck? It was. <laughs> I know you would have just been. Yes, I did, I did see that, actually. But um, I wanted to ask you about this one kid uh, the Warriors got, this Patrick Baldwin, because um, I heard good things about him, too. Is he, he going to help uh, that team? So he was, I mean, he was like a five-star, like, High level prospect. I remember, I remember yeah. his name. Um, yeah, he was like supposed to be an absolute stud kind of a player. Um, you know, he has all the potential, all the skill that you want to see, but he just couldn't put it together. You know, in in his short time in college. So, yeah. Did he start in a different school, Mike, or was always at Milwaukee? I think he was always at Milwaukee, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. All right, I'm gonna look because I just thought I had heard about him. A couple years ago, I thought he may have went to a bigger school and then transferred out or something. I don't know. I guess not. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure. Uh, I, mean, he, I mean, he was a freshman, right. so he may have committed somewhere and then decommitted. Oh, maybe that somewhere was else. Okay. Uh, I'm not a... He wasn't, he wasn't a Rutgers commander, no. was he? No, no. I would no, have absolutely known okay. that one if that was... Uh... All right, because I remember that name. I don't know why. All right, keep going. All right, so let's uh, let's stay in the NBA here then. Uh, the Nets, a lot of, lot of things going on with them. Kyrie Irving now, uh, they were just they just gave him permission to go seek a trade. Kevin Durant doesn't seem super happy with what's going on there. Uh, how did we get to this spot with the Nets? Well, first of all, I couldn't be happier. <laughs> I still don't <laughs> care about them. I just don't. Well, I don't really care about them either normally. I just hate, and it's not just the Nets, I just can't stand when these guys get together and put a team I, I don't care who it is it's just not you bother. know it bothers me I like the Warriors I, they built through the draft you know they took Durant that that uh, that year basically because he fell yeah the well that would that but, the, um, uh, and I would who's, who's going to turn right. Durant you, you, you can't. To and it's you know the, the Steph Curry hurting his ankle a couple of years before that was really the best thing that ever happened to the Warriors you didn't know at the time obviously because they were able to sign him to uh, uh, such a team-friendly deal, because right, he was, you know, right. having having those problems because he was getting hurt. 
and then he just never got really hurt again as you know to that kind of level that's and true became steph curry that's so, true you know, that that kind of allowed them yeah. to sign durant but i think durant's disgusted because um you know him and Kyrie irving apparently are very, very yeah close. yeah yeah but you know there's a big difference between being a close friend of a guy and being a teammate right. of a guy and when you see when you see a guy like irving who comes in and obviously basketball is not his number one priority in life that you know, a guy like Durant who plays his ass off every game. I mean, he's when he's out there, he's playing hard. And, um, you know, he probably is disgusted with it. I can see that. You know, I'm sure with Harden, Harden coming in way yeah. out of shape and doing these things, that's not his. That's not in Durant's DNA. So, you know, he's probably saying to himself, look, you know, get late in my career. I don't want to have to go through a rebuild right. here. So wh- where can I land that, you know, it's going to help me try and win more championships. And I'll tell you, I was thinking about it today. You know, it'd be a great spot for him is the Trailblazers. That would be a lot I of. I mean, that would be. I mean, and really, and frankly, if, a real slap in the face to uh, Seattle. You know, where he was drafted. Well, that's from, true. Uh, on, on the side. That's true. I didn't think of that. That's true. The Pacific Northwest. He goes back to Pacific Northwest and teams with Damian yeah. Lillard, who I think is one of the best players in the league. Who and, also, uh, I think, also, their talents, for, their talents for dish. They drafted Greg Oden over Kevin Durant at the time. Well, that's true too. Mm-hmm. That's true too. Well, at the time, I, it was a perfect, was I think it was a, a perfectly phenomenal. justifiable pick in the moment. Right, right. I mean, Durant was a good player in college, but he wasn't projected to be this no. kind of player. I mean, he's a. I think he's a top ten right, player. Right. Yeah. That was, if if you told me you saw that, Greg Oden. Right, and Greg Oden they're talking about as being like the next Shaq. Yeah. When he came out, and so, the center but, position hadn't you been know, you know bastardized like it is today either. Correct, correct, and he and injuries yes. obviously did him in, but but uh, I I thought today Durant to to Trailblazers could be that yeah, could be that a good would team be, out that would be that happens. that could be great. Um, yeah, I don't know exactly what the Trailblazers have to offer the Nets for Durant because that's yeah, the other thing. I don't know. Is, you know, Durant is signed for three or four more years now, so it's not you right. Know, they they will have to trade him, so that's at least right. You know, if you look at it from a Nets perspective, you know they gave up. A lot of picks for James Harden. They're you know they're kind of still trying to recover from that. They didn't get a ton of value right. back for him compared to what they they gave away right. in the first place. Um, you know, That's true. What you think of Ben Simmons, I guess, but uh, yeah, I know not much. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, so, so this could you know help them kind of restart a rebuild. But you know, you you have Kevin Durant, you have Kyrie Irving. If you traded both of those guys away, you'd want to be way ahead of where you'd be otherwise with a rebuild. And they'll be, you know, maybe just a little bit ahead pick-wise from where they would have been otherwise. It, like, it, it, you understand what I'm saying? Like, like they don't have no, that I do. first I do. I do. But I, they've been – look, the Nets have been through this before when they when they signed uh, Paul Trade. Pierce and Garnett. Um, and, or Gar- and Garnett when they traded them. You know, they, they didn't have first-round picks for years. No, they were and, able to uh, – they did a nice job. They were able to stay competitive. They overcame they it. They competitive. But, again, to do, because that, not to only, do that again is going to be very difficult. Right. to be hard. But don't forget, they – before they got Durant and Irving and Harden, they had rebuilt a pretty well, good little team. Well, that's kind of what made them go you know, there in the first place, Guy, you know, Kyrie and KD. Right. Because that was you know, like, right. oh, right. Yeah, we see what you guys are doing with uh, – yeah, I mean, that was the, the D'Angelo Russell team. It's what got D'Angelo Russell paid. Um, right, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie was such a great find for them. 
you know, they, they right. just did a really nice job. Jared who's Allen. The, uh, I the, mean, Jared uh, Allen's an all-star. Jared you know. Right. Who's who's the guy in the Nets that um, got hurt this year? The shooter. Oh, uh, uh, Joe Harris. Joe Harris. Yeah. Right. He was part. He was part of that. Guys coming in too, he wasn't he? Was. I'm not a hundred percent, but I believe yeah. he was. So I think that uh, Durant's got some thinking to do because, um, you know, I don't think he wants. Honestly, if I, if I was him, I don't know why I would want to play with Kyrie. Well, I, it, I, I think it, it's almost a situation for them where it doesn't matter i mean it's it's Kyrie. whether Kyrie is there you know he may not want to play with Kyrie anyway and if Kyrie's not there what is there for him to be playing with at that point you know this is not it's not that true. much talent around him on that team then that's true they got, that's you know, true. They got then, swept uh, out of the first you know, round you know they made these these moves you know two you know, three for, for three years they've had them now now durant didn't play the first year because of uh, the achilles injury right but they've had him for three years they haven't made it past the second round True. It's the same thing with uh, with the Sixers, honestly. With you know, the, they went through the process and everything, and the Sixers haven't even made a conference final yet. Now, granted, that right. if Kawhi Leonard didn't make that shot in Game Seven against them with the Raptors, we'd be talking you know, a completely separate thing. But he did make the shot, so that's right. What a coulda, right. shoulda. Well, and maybe Durant thinks that Ben Simmons is got the potential to be a phenomenal teammate. I don't know. I think he has you know, the potential uh, to be a phenomenal player, teammate. I don't know. If that's true. Well, I, again, I, I don't know. Maybe 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 Durant saying to himself, "This guy is a, you know, is is a, I mean, a, a set, what's he six eight six uh, nine point I guard? Six, nine, but I could be wrong. Six nine point guard. So he's really Magic yeah. Johnson. But the, the difference is, Magic Johnson can play in the clutch. Right. He can't, as far as right. I've seen so far. So I um I don't know. And I and I heard a rumor today also that um. Uh, I guess the Nets could still trade Irving, right? They, they could, he's what's the deal with him? Is he a free agent or he got a he's, team so option? He's got a player option. Um, player option. He wants, like most players would in the situation, he wants a sign and trade because right. the net he'd be able to make much more money that way. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what it was. That's what it was. And I heard I heard about him for uh, Westbrook. Yeah, but I don't know why. That, I mean, if, if the Nets are doing that now, Westbrook and Durant played in OKC right. already. And that didn't end well. Right. Uh, uh, you know, to me, if they're doing that move, if they're trying to you know, get Westbrook to, to keep to keep uh, Durant there, I don't know that that's going to convince Durant otherwise. Um, now, the yeah, positive that is Russ is on an expiring contract, so that opens up a ton of cap space for next year. Right, um, right. And, and you think LeBron can make one last run at a championship if Anthony Davis well, is healthy. And yeah, I mean, that's on the, the thing. Team. The Lakers almost. I think the Lakers would absolutely try and do that, right? I mean, that's you have yeah. LeBron. He's not. He's just not going to be playing. I think him and Kyrie are good now, right? From what, everything I read, that it looks like yeah. they're good together. Yeah. So. I, again, I don't think there was were, ever yeah. any. I don't think there was ever any uh, uh, specific animosity. You know, I think they a, a couple. Oh, I think there was from well, Kyrie. I think, I think Kyrie and LeBron there was. I don't know though. I think Kyrie again. I think Kyrie is just a crazy person. Was just kind of saying whatever was on his mind, but it wasn't necessarily like. Yeah. Try, again, I think they are both good people. It's just Kyrie's a oh, so weird, do I. weird, so do weird I, but, dude. <laughs> but but basketball egos yes, is a different yeah, for thing, sure. and I think I think Kyrie really wants to be the man. Like that's why I think he went to Boston. Yeah, but that's that I mean work. he's done it many and, times and, where he just doesn't. He, he can't be. And obviously. 
Well, when you're with LeBron, well, you that's, definitely that's for sure. Right, you have I to mean, kind of check, uh, check the ego. But it does sound like, you know, that was one of the teams that, that he put on the list that he wants to, to go to. So right. I, got, I right. have to. I don't know what the cap situation right. is. Um, so I have to think that he'd be just okay, you know, being, uh, uh, you know, rather than being the man, at least in his mind, he would just be, you know, like the, the partners with LeBron. Um, right. Which, right. I like, I worked for them once already. And now if you have, if Anthony, uh, if Anthony Davis is healthy, could they make a run? Sure. We Why keep not? saying absolutely could make a run, I think. Because, again, I think the Western Conference is very yes. top-heavy. And, uh, you know, I mean, Phoenix is going to be good if, if they get all their players, you know, right. back. Uh, the Warriors are going to be good, but the Warriors are getting yeah. older now. I mean, they're deep. They're, they're I mean, still deep. You know, they're still again, good. But it's – but, you know, they're not, yeah. they're not the unbeaten you know, Warriors that they were five years ago anymore. No. Not. No. And they're, they're – they're, um, you know, they're – the big three is, like I said, they're older, they're more injury right. prone, and if you know one of those guys goes down for extended period, especially you know late in the season. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's um, but it's also really, you know with a full a full year removed, there is the potential that Clay Thompson could be you know better than he was this year because he'll be you know healthier and just kind of yeah you know when you yeah, the, these guys are in their mid thirties yeah I know. Yes, well, except the problem is the following year when you when you got a win a championship and you and you mid thirties well, and you play all those extra agreed. games and you have a much shorter uh, summer. It's it's very difficult to repeat. agreed, but they also have these these kind of young guys. They did a very good job of kind of rebuilding on that team so they really can yeah but those young guys are uh, can they lead a team but you know well you don't need to lead I mean, a good well, players you lead the team in the postseason uh, you just kind of hope that they can you know take over for some some 10 15 game stretches in the regular season and yeah you just kind of yeah. just kind of hold we'll see you know, we'll see hold steady tread water and, and you know, just kind of wait for for steph curry to, to be the guy again i think the east is where the bet the, the majority of the good teams are now it is it it's actually really shifted over that way yeah. couple years um yeah, again, I don't think the top of the East is generally as good as the top of the West, even still. Um, but I do think, you know, if, if everybody on Milwaukee gets healthy, I do think they're still very potentially the best team in the NBA. So do I. So do I. So do I. And, I do, and Miami, if Miami can get one more player. They need... They, uh, Jimmy Butler, I love too, Jimmy Butler. But, they need one, but you know, that one more player has to be superstar player i think like it, it can't yeah. just be another how about kevin uh, durant be, i tell you what i tell you what <laughs> if he if he's on the market miami always does a good job of putting together nice packages for these kind of guys they're the yep. ones they're they're yep. doing what the knicks want to do all the time have enough assets to make these trades right. to you know clear right. cap space to make these right. signings yeah it'll be interesting because if, if Kyrie goes someplace durant's going i mean i think uh, not that he wants to play with Kyrie in new york but i think He's got the he reads the tea leaves. I mean, yeah, it's, I think, uh, you know, he's 33. Yeah, I think, experiments, now. I mean, uh, I think know, it's just it's over time. at this point. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. too bad. Too, too, too bad. The Nets had their year and a half run in New York and now it's back to a Dick Town. <laughs> it was still a Dick Town. It was still it, 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 it always was a Dick Town. The Knicks won 30 games this year and it was still like, that's all the talk you hear. It's just Knicks. <laughs> uh, all right, let's, let's flip over to baseball then now. Uh, you and I have a little bit of a difference of opinion on how important managers are. Yeah, I'm yeah, right. You're wrong. On how important managers are <laughs> to the game. Uh, 
why don't you start us off? What do you go on your little diatribe um, so that we can? Well, it's, my, it's not a diatribe. <laughs> it's look. It, it's, it's what it really is. Is is <laughs> old school managing versus you know um, analytics. Uh, analytics, and I I believe in analytics. I believe you got to got to use that. every it's time analytics come up. You know, all you do is wait a minute. Kind of a, no, because it's too much. I, I, I very much over. I very managers, much how our young managers today on, on this topic. We feel actually more similar. Right. Young managers today are just afraid to make baseball decisions because they're going to get their asses reamed by Ivy League guys who never played baseball before. You know, it's it's it, sometimes you got to look at the game, the way it's developing. You know your players and let them play baseball. And I, my big example right now is Buck Showalter with the Mets. I mean, he's very old school. He knows the game. You know, you don't need to look to see analytics on paper to know in your mind what's going to happen because you've seen it a million times before. And this team right now, which I don't think is much different than last year's I team, dis- except I their dis- pitchers are hurt. Well, you, I'm, you're wrong. I'm not the Mets made a million they, 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 Their main guys are the same as last year. And they're, they're much, much better. They they uh, when, when they get these two pitchers back, Scherzer and, and Degrom, it's like getting the two best pitchers right, in one who was not on the season. Keep going. No, but okay, but he wasn't. That's right. But last year they 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 had a team that kind of relied on analytics and they fell apart. And I'm not saying it's 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 bad, but I'm looking like uh, um, uh, what's his name, the manager of the Astros, um, uh, the one uh, Dusty Baker. Dusty Baker. Dusty Baker's another old school. But just because they're old doesn't mean they're not play- relying on analytics. They are relying on analytics. No, these old, but they always did. But, but you think managers 50, 60 years ago didn't know that which guys, what's what's lefty batter had trouble? What no, lefty I, no, 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 no. Oh, no, no, no. These, but, but this, they, they didn't have to have it on exactly paper kind of, that. But to me, wait, 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 let me finish. You asked me a question. Let, let me finish. finish your question. I made a statement. So, <laughs> well, wait a minute. So, so the, the manager is important because how he runs the clubhouse. And the, right, and that, the, that's and the, really what my, how he treats the players. My main point is, I, I just he, don't uh, think protects the, his players. The moves they and make how in the game players generally he knows baseball. Players know. Players uh, know to me, baseball's a one-on-one guys, sport. Uh, it's all dependent on the, play, the players. You know, because just, of analytics, they, they the want end all guys that are bold. They want to be the managers. You know, they help a little bit. But it's you know, you don't think they matter. You don't think that they they matter more than a couple of games. Also, use an example back in the eighties. Don Zimmer became the manager of the Cubs. And everybody was laughing at the moves he was making, but they kept working. Oh, he did this. He got lucky. He got lucky. He got lucky. He won the division. So sometimes you got to know your players. You got you to know you, you. Analytics doesn't know a guy was out drinking and is hungover and, and he's on the bench and he can't pitch it tonight. But a manager knows that. So a manager knows uh, this guy's having trouble with his girlfriend. Maybe his mind's not on the game today. Analytics doesn't know that kind of stuff. So managers are important in, in a lot of different respects. Not and, and The main one being the clubhouse, I agree. Aaron Boone on the Yankees. There's a rumor, which I heard before the season started, that he wasn't going to resign as the manager unless he was assured he could manage the team the way he wanted. Now, that tells me he was being told what to do previously. And and I do believe that. And then this year, all well. of a sudden, and then this year, all of a sudden, the Yankees with basically the same players 
are, are have the best record in baseball, one of the best records in the history of baseball to this point, because they're playing a different. Yeah, but again, I think that that's they're stealing bases, they're hitting, running, they're taking extra base on on singles to right field, they're doing things they never did. Yeah, before. but I think that that's going back to. I don't know. I I just find a looser clubhouse. I do think that he he has helped uh, the you know, the clubhouse this year, and I, I I do think they've gotten maybe a little farther away from you know the right the the strikeouts don't matter at all and never run and do those sorts of things. But you know by the same token the the like the most analytics heavy team in baseball is the Dodgers. They've been the best team in baseball for seven years now. Now they've only won well, once at that time, but also the best right, players. That's my point is the players are real. The players are the things that are the end all be all on this whole thing. I just don't, I, I don't know. To me, when, when a team like fires a manager mid season for the most part, uh, it's just, so you have someone to blame. It's just, it doesn't, the manager isn't usually at fault in those situations. I, I just don't, you know, Joe Torre was a terrible manager four times, and then all of a sudden he's the best manager in the world. You want to know why? Because he had the best player. Well, that's not true, first of all. He, he's won, he won division titles before he was with the Yankees. I mean, it wasn't like he, he never did anything. The, the, the Yankees but, hired um, him, and the headline was Clueless Joe. <laughs> he was not, he was not a highly they, thought of guy, because, of, uh, manager. Well, he was a highly thought he of baseball He wasn't a highly guy. thought of that. That's my the point. The guy it's, it's about the players. Okay, so the year before he came, the Yankees lost in the first round of the playoffs. The year he came, the next year they won the World Series. You know, is anything to do with the way he managed the team? So managed maybe, but uh, well, but, but your you, you boy Buck Showalter was there beforehand, and he was managing old school, and it didn't work. So how come that was the? Uh, well, no, actually, it wasn't. It wasn't old school then. That was thirty-five years ago. I mean, it was uh, you know. So uh, I don't. First of all, it was twenty. 20 years ago, 25 years ago, 25, 25 years ago. Well, 27 years, 27 to 30. <laughs> 27 years to 30, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, and, and he was fine, but he was a young manager then, and uh, and what the Yankees needed was more of a, a senior uh, season touch, and that's what they got with Torrey. And you, you can't deny what he did in the next yeah, and they ten, also had years. Derek Jeter came up in 96 and they, you know like they, yeah. they got better they had better players so he's going to be penalized no, I'm not for that? He's penalized for that I'm saying it's the, the you're giving you're trying to give him all the credit for this and I'm not giving him all saying, the credit, well, they, but I'm they, saying my point is you say manners don't matter I say I they matter, matter. No, no no I say they you, don't matter much comparatively and I say they matter a lot and I and I give you a lot of examples like Tory who came in Changed the culture in the clubhouse. You know they were playing very tight. Joe Girardi. Joe Girardi was ma- managing the Phillies. They were tight as a drum. It's fired. They went like fifty out of eighty. Yes. Games. I, I, so again, I, I'm not saying there aren't specific circumstances. There aren't specific situations where that happens. Where guys wear out their welcome and the clubhouse. I, I'm I'm saying the clubhouse matters a lot. But that's the only way. I'm saying. Okay. Well, it's part of managing. I'm, you can't say it's not. You can't say they don't matter. They don't matter. Except no, 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 no. But I'm it, saying they matter. No, I'm saying they don't matter from a strategical standpoint. Go ahead. Can I say something? Take That's, the loss. You're not. You don't just even take the losses. Oh my god! Because you just hear whatever <laughs> argument you feel like hearing and argue that, and you're not. No, you don't I'm even. Just... <sighs> Excuse me. I got a cold. <clears throat> Look. My, the basic argument is I think managers 
mean a lot to a team. You think they don't. Now, I agree. They don't mean as much as hockey coaches, football coaches, and basketball coaches. I, I agree. But baseball coaches, you can't, they don't just roll the ball out and on talent win. It takes something. It takes, it takes uh, handling of uh, pitching staffs is usually important. And, and how you use your bullpen. And, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, how are you going to how are you going to uh, that's again there were a lot of things those like things that. that Joe Torre did again I'm just going to use Joe Torre's example that yeah. I, I don't th- I don't think he managed the bullpen well at all for the most part I mean he had he was able to because he had Mariano Rivera so it all of, all of his bullpen I agree. Moves, like it didn't they got cleaned up because he had Mar- the greatest pitcher of all time arguably on on the bullpen well when he was in this in his first half of his managerial career with the Yankees I'll give you that it was a, it was a formula for him because he had you know starters right. won six and he had Nelson right. Stanton and Mariano. That's that's true. Right. And, and, then he, and then he ruined uh, uh, what's his name Scott Proctor. He ruined Scott Proctor's career because he didn't. <laughs> maybe he wouldn't have had a career without uh, maybe, but he also threw him a hundred I mean, times a year. Well, Not literally, but you know that's right. I'm sure Scott Proctor looks at his championship rings every year. I don't year. think he, no, I don't think he was on day in the 1950s. You don't think it was on on the uh, 2000 team? I don't think it was. I think it was after that. No, but I could be wrong. Anyway, either right. way, whatever. All right, whatever. Uh, all right, so let's so. let's go on to our list then. Uh, I know you lost that argument. Go to the next one. Win and loss. <laughs> uh, very competitive. Every week we're gonna do uh, at least one list. Uh, this week we've decided to move away from sports for our list in honor of Father's Day from last week, uh, and we decided to do our top five TV dads. So, uh, Dad, why don't you get us started on this one? Just for... All right, Mike, this was, what did we do last week? What was uh, the topic we did last best week? NBA player since 2000. Oh, best NBA player, right. since that, that at the time I said, <clears throat> yeah, excuse me, I have a cold. Um, that was at the time I said the toughest yep. list we've done. This, this was, was real difficult. This was really, really. This difficult. was hard because you go through. It had to be. I, I, I had to narrow my list of thirty down from about seventy-five. <laughs> I know that you know TV because again I'm old, so I've seen TV back. My one and my my one and two. I and my one and two. I've switched back and forth fifty times already. And that's <laughs> so. Um, I, I look. I. I, and then I and then I looked at my list and I'm saying, should I make a list of of, of fathers that were like real scumbags that oh, were good fathers, <laughs> or guys that were just like total wimp? Like how how do I do this? So right, so is, to is Tony do, Soprano on the list? Like that's where we're like, yeah, exactly. Well, he was one exactly of the guys I was thinking of. Right. So he he was. So what I decided to do is I said, let me just go straight with this and just the. the I thought the five best fathers for um, their families on TV and for society. Okay. That's how I did okay. it. Okay. All right. So let me run through real quick some of the also rants that I had. Uh, Walter White for Breaking <laughs> in, Bad. In, in that scumbag uh, section, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, my scumbag. Right, section. And Tony Soprano is next. So the two guys. Yeah, those are. I, I was section. looking at some of those guys and I was like, yeah, like, I don't know. They were pretty good. Father, like right. technically, uh, sort of. Yeah. Um, one guy who I consider for my top five, but almost made Danny Tanner from Full House, and that was a lot because it was a very right. wholesome show. It was it, it brings me back to when you guys were little because every Friday night we used to watch right. TGIF 
and that was part of it. And it was just a very good feelings about that. Uh, Homer Simpson, was another one yep. I had on my also read list. You know, again, he he, he truly loves his kids. Um, right. Kind of hates them too. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's kind of uh, one, one of my favorite lines. Uh, the Simpsons he is. Uh, oh, I have three kids and no money. Why can't I have no kids and three money? Yeah, that just always makes me. <laughs> oh God, uh, Ray Barone from Everybody Loves Raymond. You know what? Uh, I didn't put Ray book. anywhere near my list because I'm like, those kids are never around. He's never watching his kids. They're never in the show. They're never. They're just uh, out having them and they're talking. You know, Mike, that's a that's a good point. <laughs> that's actually a good point. Uh, Al Bundy. I never really watched it, so that's why. Yeah, was a big. Uh, he's yeah. the biggest screw up in history, but he loved this kid. Carl Winslow, another yep. one from TGI Friday from uh, um, different yes. from uh, Family Matters. Um, ben Cartwright from Bonanza. Yeah, I never watched great a dad. Of he loved it. He had three sons from all different mothers, so he obviously yeah. had fun in his life. Um, Steve Douglas, who was the father of my three sons, also a great father. Jim Anderson from Father Knows Best, only because of the name <laughs> of the show. Andy Taylor was Sheriff Taylor from okay. the Andy Griffith show. Uh, Stephen Keaton, who was the father uh, on uh, Family, uh, yeah. Family Ties. Uh, Alex Stone, who was the father on the Donna Reed show. Okay. He was a really a, a, a good guy. Uh, Tim Taylor from uh, Improvement. Uh, Ozzie Nelson from Ozzie and, Harriet, yeah. Ozzie and Harriet show. Yep, that was good. Uh, Tony Maselli uh, was uh, okay. Who's the Boss. Uh, single father. Uh, I liked him. Jed Clampett from Hillbillies. Uh, yep, I have him too. I thought I didn't. I thought you uh, forget about him. I was. Uh, oh no, Archie Bunker, uh, who was a uh, again right. the biggest bigot in the world. Hysterical show, but just absolutely adored his daughter. Um, Peter Griffin, <laughs> Family Guy. <laughs> See, he uh, rips. Just, I, I, he's yeah, another guy. I, he rips on Meg too much. I couldn't uh, <laughs> just because of that. I know. It's just like he just. I almost think he really yeah. despises. Yeah, his so kids. he doesn't quite have I the Homer you know, like you know where uh, right, he really right, loves his kids. Right. But now he, he just right. And my last honorable mention was Fred Sanford from Sanford. Okay. So Red Fox was uh, you yes. know Lamont was his son, and he just he loved his son, but boy was he. he <laughs> Crazy guy. All right, here's my top five. Um, number five from Leave It to Beaver was Ward okay. Cleaver. And it's one of the uh, early sitcoms of my life. Um, I see most of them in reruns, but I thought he was a cool dad because he always had good advice. And uh, I think, you know, for the, he was like the perfect late 50s, early right. 60s. He was, he was Danny Tanner before Danny Tanner. Correct. Correct. Number four for me was Howard Cunningham from Happy Days. Happened by my um, honorable mention as well. Yeah, yeah. Not only not only was he a, a good dad, you know, he loved his kids, but he actually lost one of his kids because uh, his oldest son That's Chuck right. was on for the first season. So went, and never back showed up, up to again, his room or whatever. The first season. season, right? Went back to his room and never showed up again, and kind of morphed into <laughs> Fonzie because Fonzie became like a surrogate son. But he was he was another guy that always had good advice. Number three for me was Charles Ingalls, who was the father on uh, okay. Little House on the Prairie, uh, Michael Landon. And uh, kind of a sappy show, but it was uh, it was actually um, Laura Ingalls Wilde, the yeah. famous writer, and it was her chronicling her chronicling her, her uh, child years, childhood uh, child, years, child, yes, child, was it? childhood <laughs> years uh, in Minnesota on the prairies of Minnesota. And uh, again, it took place in the late eighteen hundreds, but it was you know kind of cool to see how parents raised their kids back then, and uh, you know what the kids yeah. had to do. 
you kids are very soft. Uh, okay. Just let me tell you. Number two was James Evans is the father on Good Times, um, a show from the early seventies that spun off of Maud, and uh, he was um, a hardworking black father in Chicago, and family meant everything to him. It was, uh, you know, uh, he 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 worked two jobs. His, his wife worked a job, and it was it was very cool to see. Um, rather than the you know the the, the typical American family that uh, you know lived in a, a, a leafy right. suburb with two cars and everything, of of how inner city fathers could really love their family. And jo- John Amos, right back to back to sports. <coughs> Excuse me, he was it was John Amos who was one of my all time favorite actors. And number one, even though the guy turned out to be <laughs> the biggest jerk off in history, Cliff Huxtable. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Show. Um, you know, he was, not only was the show hysterical, but he was a great father, you know? And again, I thought it it was great that it elevated a black family to, um, upper middle class status, you know, and the previously it was, it was, right. It would have to have been good times rather than, right. Right, right, right. And this was something that, you know, was really happening in America back then, you know, where people were rising up out of poverty into the middle class. And that's what you yeah, want to course. see in this country. That's that's what that's what yeah, every yeah. generation is supposed to be doing. And um, he also, you know, had great advice for his kids. He, you know, uh, his kids kind of uh, abused him a bit, but he always had uh, you know, the right. right answers in the end. And his and his his, his um, relationship with his his son Theo. Yeah, that was, was always classic. very funny. They had some classics. Always very funny. The one right. I mean, I always remember one of the li- one of the great lines was when he told him. Uh, I brought you into this world, and I can take you out. <laughs> Is that of this where world. that's from originally? Because yeah. that, that's what you're oh, yeah. this whole time. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. So that's my all that's right. my top. Pretty good. That's uh, yeah. Again, these are all you right. know a little more uh, going to be all over the place with with you know, how you how you view these. Yeah. This is yeah, well, this is best basketball actually, player. This is you know this is much right. more open ended. Right. This is so this is so uh, right you know, subjective. Uh, so my honorable mentions, I had. Uh, a lot of them similar to you. Uh, I had Jed Clampett, Ward Cleaver, uh, Homer Simpson, Howard Cunningham, Tim Taylor, and Cliff Huxtable, all in my honorable mentions. Um, okay. I, I really, I, I probably should have put Cliff Huxtable in it, honestly, but I just like felt dirty. Like I just, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, a couple more honorable mentions that you, that you didn't uh, have. Um, I said Phil Dunphy from Modern Family. You know, I I, again, he doesn't he doesn't deserve to be on like the top five, but like he's you know, yeah, he's, yeah, he's just like a little too spacey and you know airheaded. But well, also at his best, that was one of the funniest. Yes, shows that, those those first four so. seasons or so were really yes. really, yes. and yes. then it really yes. fell off a cliff at the yeah. end. But um, yep. I said uh, Alan Matthews from Boy Meets World. Um, oh, yeah, good one, Mike. Yeah, another, another one off of right, TGI another Friday off, shows uh, off of TGIF. Uh, you know, again, it's. Yeah. He, I more just really like that show, and really the best father on that show was Mister Feeny, but he's wasn't actually a father. So <laughs> That's I true. Really put him on. Um, Feeny, Feeny, uh, Bobini. The le- the le- what? That's, Feeny, Feeny, Bobini. That's one of my favorite episodes of television. <laughs> uh, and then the last one who you didn't have is uh, I have Hal from Malcolm in the Middle, Brian Cranston's character. I yeah. was gonna put him in. Now did they, they not, did have, not a have a last name, name on that show? show. Which I had forgotten about until right, I was okay. doing my research for this, and I was like, yeah. "Wait, what is his last name?" Yeah. And you couldn't find it because they didn't have, they didn't have one. Right, um, right. 
uh, Brian Cranston, you know, before Breaking Bad, he was he's so funny. It's, he can do everything. He's great. Um, he would have been the only one listed twice on our list. That's true. Yeah, that's probably true. Actually, now that you mentioned. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. So number five for me is another guy you didn't mention, uh, and in really in honor of Rocky uh, not being here, Martin Crane from Frasier. I had to put on here. He, you know, because yeah, it's you're right. That's he's a good one. Great, great, great show, show, and you know, it really showed for you know, for a father who was just so different than his kids to still be able to kind of have that wonderful right. relationship and be able to connect with them and everything. It really showed how much he loved them and how good of a job he did. Such a blue collar guy raising such white collar kids was uh, true. Okay, yeah. I give you that's a good one. Uh, cool. But you know, he's number five because then he was also eh, sort of a civ on Frasier for a little while at the end there. Uh, <laughs> number four for me, uh, Carl Winslow from Family Matters. Carl yeah, Winslow, was, yep. Okay, that was you know when I was a kid, yeah. that was maybe my favorite show for for a little while. Yeah, you know, being able to to you know, raise his family again in kind of like a blue collar way, but you know in in a nice house right. in Chicago, uh, with an absolute psychopath living next door, really shows how uh, right know, good of a job he did with his kids. And 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 the, so far, the fir- first two guys on your list were cops. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, hey, well, that's uh, <laughs> sort of going to stop here. But another fighter coming up. Uh, another guy you also did not have uh number three i have eddard ned stark from game of thrones who i never I saw yeah, a show in my life yeah, you I couldn't could. put him on here yeah. um right but he was you know just such a <laughs> such a loving caring father and everything and really kind of instilled uh the sort of values that in kind of a valueless world that you know kind of really yeah all right uh, that, that's good you you should I raised you what? right, Mike. I raised you right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so number two for me then was Danny Tanner, uh, who I know you didn't have on, on yeah. five. And it's just, again, it's kind of like right. the, he is the soft touch father. Where, you know, when you're thinking about TV, uh, right. you know, just like, hey, something went wrong. Come sit on my lap. Let's, you know, let's have a discussion about it. And let's you know, <laughs> talk this thing through, you know, it, Again, nobody did it better than Danny Tanner did on that show. That's true. He'd be like, you burn down the house. Right. That wasn't good, but. Right. Like, they're going to play some sappy we'll music, and it's going to be great. Uh, and then. Number- right. Let's go watch Uncle Jesse play the. <laughs> well, that's that's why he uh, got moved off number one. Too much Uncle Jesse and Uncle Joey helping him there. Uh, and then number one for me is Philip Banks, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. He was. Yeah, I, I, I didn't like that show. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah, it was okay. It was okay. I just I I wasn't well, crazy. See, about he him. to me was again. He was like number, number one. one yeah, eh? He was he was another one who like he really had that kind of firm, tough hand, but knew when to back off a little bit. Knew when you know the the kids needed help a little bit more. Maybe um, you know didn't always. Obviously, a guy who was quick to anger, but in a loving way so it was in you know and didn't how can i even say he, he he constantly did right by his kids and his adoptive kid you know will smith which is another uh, another big part of it um 
and you know, again, in that same kind of way of you know, Cliff Huxtable, you know, living in like the more high class, you know, kind of getting out of of you know the low class and getting into that more high class society. You know, that's that's a big part of it with right. uh, you know, Philip Banks was you know he he right. You know, they talk about it on the show. He used to go uh, again fictional character but this fictional character you know would go listen to malcolm x and martin luther king and you know those sorts of things right really cared and really kind of rose you know picked himself up by his bootstraps so kind of to be that uh you know that that example of of where you want to get your kids to be at right and i think you know it's funny both our lists i you know there's been a lot of uh buffoon fathers on tv too you know that uh you know, they, they just yeah. punch lines. And I think our, our our guys that we picked all had comical features. and uh, But they all did – one thing in common is they all right. obviously love their kids and their and their, right. their families and try to do – teach them what was right, right. and wrong. And that's yeah. – I mean, And I will, most right. of these, I mean, you know, the best fathers tend to come from sitcoms just because, you know, the, right. the drama shows usually aren't – about, you know, like a, a father and son combination. And if it is, it's usually because there's true. some sort of strain in the relationship. It's not usually, you know, they're that's true. You know, saving the world together most of the time. <laughs> so it just kind of true. lends itself more to the, the top fathers anyway. All right. Yeah, good list. Good list, Mike. Like it. Uh, so I think that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, if anybody uh, wants to follow us, you can follow us at Our Dad Is Wrong on Twitter. Dad, you got anything else? That's it. Just uh, we'll see you next week, and uh, hopefully Rock will be back with us soon, and then uh, we'll be the three of us again, and I'll be ganging up on you too. Yeah, that's how ganging up works. All right. Thanks, everybody. (laughs) Have a great week, everybody. Thank you.